They shift him from right to left. Play action to that side. Rolling right, looking. Fires in the end zone. Got a man. Oh, touchdown. That's a tight end from 15 yards out. Welcome to the Bowl Season Stories Podcast, Season 3, Episode 15. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season, and today we are joined by Pac-12 Executive Associate Commissioner for Football Operations, Merton Hanks, and Big Ten Senior Director of Football Administration, A.J. Eds. If you missed any of our previous episodes, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoy today's show, we'd appreciate you to like, subscribe, and drop a five-star rating. And as always, you can follow all the bowl season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Today's show is brought to you by Sport Radar, reimagining immersive experiences for sports fans and betters. Today's guests both played college football for the Iowa Hawkeyes, but for two different Hall of Fame coaches. They were both drafted and played in the NFL and now have high-ranking positions in college athletics, facilitating some of the same opportunities for today's college athletes that they got to enjoy themselves during their own playing days. Please welcome to the show, Merton Hanks and AJ Eds. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. Nick, thanks for having us. Good to be here. Nick, appreciate the time. It's an exciting time of year for all of us with all the bowl matchups being announced uh, this past Sunday, and bowl season is less than two weeks away. But I'm really excited to have the two of you together on this show. I had this idea a while ago. I was kind of waiting for the best time to get you two guys together. And I figured right after bowl selections would be a good one. Uh, I mentioned in the introduction uh, about the Iowa Hawkeyes, and you guys have that in common. Um, The Hawkeyes have had just two head football coaches in the past 45 years, uh, which is pretty amazing in and of itself. They're both Hall of Famers. Merton, you played for Hayden Fry, who was the head coach from 1979 to 1998. And AJ, you played for Kirk Ferentz, who took over for Coach Fry, and 25 years later is still the head coach today. Let's start off by talking about what it was like playing for those two legendary coaches and the type of programs and cultures that they both built at Iowa. Merton, you go first. What was it like to play for Coach Fry? Well, I, th- I think, uh, uh, you know, when you think of the Iowa Hawkeyes, you think of, of long-term consistency in respect to not only the head coaches, but the entire coaching staff. And and uh, Nick, uh, uh, ironically, <laughs> Kirk Ferentz was my offensive line coach uh, under Hayden Fry. So there's just been tremendous consistency uh, uh, amongst the coaching staff year over year at the University of Iowa. And, and I think that's really been a tremendous advantage because you're able to work on culture, refine culture, build on culture, and it's consistent. Uh, year in year out, the the, the obviously uh, Coach Ferris has grown uh, uh, as a head coach, but some of the great lessons that he took from Hayden Fry, you still see uh, emanating from the Iowa Hawkeyes of the day. And I, I personally think that's a tremendous advantage. Uh, uh, coach Fry, as the old saying goes, could sell ice to an Eskimo. Uh, uh, this, this guy uh, had a silver tongue, uh, uh, stood up for the right things, DEIB. Uh, my mother uh, remembered Coach Fry as a head coach at SMU and had the first African-American uh, player in Jerry Labias that played in the old Southwest Conference. Uh, uh, so Hayden was seen as a trailblazer and, and quite frankly, a, a comfort level uh, to allow my family to send their youngest son north out of the state of Texas to the great state of Iowa. So uh, Hayden Hayden has impacted uh, not only the football community, 
uh, but uh, civil rights, social justice, uh, uh, and and you see some of those elements certainly in, in, Kurt's, in Coach Ferentz moving forward. So certainly proud to be able to say that I played under Hayden Fry and Coach Ferentz. Very interesting. AJ, tell us more about Coach Ferentz. Do you think there are any similarities between the way he runs his program and the way Coach Fry did? Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, absolutely. I, we just heard that Coach Ferentz was uh, part of Coach Fry's staff before getting a head opportunity for himself and ultimately coming back to the University of Iowa. And there's a lot of other good coaches that were assistants under Coach Fry, Barry Alvarez, the line, the long list there, and that's a long line. Uh, but a lot of the attributes that have made, did make Coach Fry successful are personified in what Coach Ferentz has been able to do. And just the genuineness, the authenticity, the focus on the people, those are attributes that go a long way in the state of Iowa. And that's no accident, even looking at the administration's leadership over however many years. There's a lot of consistency and continuity. And the folks that have done the best jobs in Iowa City at the University of Iowa are folks that are focused on the people and what sort of young people they're going to bring into their programs, how they're going to positively impact those young people. And Coach Ferentz is no different. And not just Coach Ferentz, but the entire staff. And that's really not unlike Merton with Coach Fry. That's what stood out to me with Coach Ferentz during my recruiting opportunity coming out of high school was just the, the people in the building that Coach Ferentz had identified and brought in to be a part of what he wanted to get done and is still getting done in Iowa City. And um, not to get too far ahead of myself with the question, but a lot of my success is certainly attributed to not just Coach Ferentz, but the entire coaching staff in the lessons and the opportunities to determine how much or how little every person in that building wants to make for themselves. And so um, the, the roadmap that Coach Fry laid out that he assuredly learned from those that came before him was passed down to Coach Hay or excuse me, Coach Ferentz. And um, when the time comes, Coach Ferentz will do the same to who follows in his footsteps. So no accident that there's a lot of similarities between Coach Hayden Fry and Coach Kirk Ferentz. Martin, you're a Texas native. Uh, you you actually started to answer this question um, a couple minutes ago. Um, you said you were familiar with Coach Fry because of his time at SMU. But tell us, what was your recruitment process like? Was it was it just that, or, or were there other things that ultimately caused you to to decide to be a Hawkeye? Well, I think I think AJ really touched on it, and, and it really is amazing. That, you, you know, I've I've got a little bit of gray in my hair these days, so I, I'm, I'm I believe I'm speaking from experience. That look, the fans of the University of Iowa football program and, and the University of Iowa in general, and the people of the great state of Iowa, uh, just some of the best folks you'll ever meet on this planet. And and so, uh, you know, when you have at the time I was being recruited in, in the 1980s, and you had young men coming from uh, New Jersey, New York, Texas, California, and and uh, uh, the people of the great state of Iowa made it a destination of, of of something that you wanted to be a part of, and something that made sense to you, uh, especially uh, for me. Uh, it was important to see that there were there were young men from the state of Texas that were succeeding at the University of Iowa in the classroom, graduating uh, uh, at minimum with their undergraduate degrees. Most of our folks left with graduate degrees uh, from from the University of Iowa. So it wasn't just about the what we could do on the gridiron in respect to helping to bring the program back to prominence. 
but making sure that we left with the tools to succeed in life. So eternally grateful uh, to the people uh, of the state of Iowa, as well as obviously the supporters of the university. AJ, I'm going to actually jump ahead uh, to uh, your post-college career a little bit with both of you, and then we're going to come back and talk about your bowl experiences a little bit. AJ, you were drafted in the fourth round of the 2010 NFL draft by the Dolphins, played five seasons in the league. Uh, what was your draft day experience like? You finished college. You're, you're Obviously, uh, the, the notion of being drafted has got to be exciting for you and your family. What was that whole experience like? It, it was, you know, really a moment of um... – uh, I'd say extreme joy just with family and friends. I was back home in Greenwood, Indiana uh, with mom and dad at the, uh, the house I grew up in. And like most folks, I would imagine, I, I knew I, I should speak for myself. I knew I wasn't going to be a first day pick. I knew I'd be at best a late second day pick, which at that time was second and third rounds. But I didn't think I was a third round pick, even on my best days. So once the fourth round started the third day and some guys started coming off the board that I thought I had outperformed at various junctures throughout the career and senior bowl and combine started to check out a little bit. I started playing, uh, this could go the wrong way on me and how bad is this going to get? And just when I had walked out of the uh, living room, I got a call from a, uh, a Miami area code and it was a director of pro personnel, Brian Gain, who coincidentally played for Kirk Ferentz at the university of Maine and um, had a nice little conversation. And I, I thought we were just killing time, which wasn't really helping ease my anxiety until um, the trade went through. The Dolphins traded up a few spots to grab me. So once the trade went through and everything, they put me on with uh, Coach Parcells, who was the president at the time, and had a nice conversation with uh, Coach Parcells. And we had played at the Orange Bowl, coincidentally, that year um, in my final uh, bowl experience and uh, as a senior at Iowa. And the Miami staff came to practice and just uh, Coach Ferentz invited him out to see some prospects. And Coach Parcells alluded to, hey, your experience down here and all that helped make our minds up. So senior, excuse me, draft day was really, really enjoyable for me to be with the family, um, to to get the phone call at any point, at least for me, I, I felt that it was, it, it'd be, it's a starting point. A lot of folks look at it as an end and it is for the college career, but it's really a starting point for the next chapter. And uh, once you get into the NFL, it doesn't really matter how you came in or where you came from. It's what you do with the opportunity. And that's how I looked at it was, it was a great uh, uh, way to conclude my time as an undergraduate and a collegiate student athlete. But really, it was a springboard and a starting point for my professional career. And to do that and to welcome and to have that first step um, with dear friends and my family, mom and dad and uh, others later in the evening was just really enjoyable. Now, Martin, uh, obviously, you and I have known each other for a while, but in, in preparing for this podcast, I found out that you were born on March 12th, 1968. The reason I bring that up is I was born on March 19th, 1968. So we're exactly a week apart. Um, we're both, uh, we're both a little bit older than AJ. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, you Bert, were a fifth round draft pick of the San Francisco 49ers in 1991 and played nine years in the NFL, including four Pro Bowl seasons, had 33 interceptions returning three for touchdowns in your career. You won a Super Bowl in 1994. So because we're of the same era, your, your playing days are very memorable to me, because, especially because of how, uh, how good the 49ers were those, those days. Question, I probably wanted to ask you back then when I was watching it, but with all those interceptions, you had the opportunity to take advantage of those moments when the spotlight was on you. And you did, the most, uh, you did that most famously with your chicken dance. Tell us about that. 
Like your personality that I know you now doesn't really fit that. Where did that come from? And why do you think it was so popular amongst 49er fans? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, tie it back to the University of Iowa where, uh, look, uh, uh, you know, Hayden Fry and, and I think AJ would agree with this. Kirk Ferentz is basically part of the same club. Uh, uh, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to do our jobs, but we're going to try to have fun in the process and, and, and really enjoy the moment and, and take in the moment. And at the time, you know, unlike Nick, as you know, unlike in today's uh, college football world and quite frankly, NFL world, uh, uh, you really had to uh, find something to separate yourself beyond uh, your ability to play the game. And uh, at the time I was uh, on a team, um, gosh, the 94 49ers, here's a statistic for uh, this group. That group either has a current Hall of Fame player, a, a player nominated for the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame like myself, an all-pro player or a Pro Bowl player at every starting position on both sides of the ball. You, 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 couldn't, you, wow. couldn't, fund that, you couldn't fund that team. This year. We're talking the likes of Steve Young, Hall of Fame, Jerry Rice, Hall of Fame, Deion Sanders, Hall of Fame, Brian Young, Hall of Fame, you know, like multiple, you couldn't fund that team today on the NFL level and on the collegiate level. I, I don't, there's not a team that I can think of in the last 30 years, maybe Miami in the early eighties that, that from a talent perspective would even be remotely close. Right. So uh, it was funny. I was watching Bert and Ernie on Sesame street with my daughters at the time, and they're doing this little pigeon dance to answer your question finally. Uh, uh, and I was like, oh, that's fun. It made my, made my daughters laugh. They were giggling at it, and and we played with it in the backyard, and and then it showed up at the practice field, and then it finally showed up uh, on game day, ironically, versus the Dallas Cowboys in 1995, played in the old Irving Stadium. Uh, that was the game Irvis, Elvis Gerbach started for injured Steve Young, and Jerry Rice had a big 80-yard touchdown run and that type of thing. So that's kind of the backdrop of that, how that came to be. Awesome. Awesome. I love those kind of stories. Well, let, let, questions for both of you. Now, let's go back to your college days. Talk specifically about your experiences playing in bowl games since bowl season's right around the corner for us this year. Uh, Martin, we'll stick with you here because there are 43 bowl games today. But when you played, there were only 20, less than half. Which bowls did you participate in as a player at Iowa? And what were your memories from those experiences? Oh, look, the University of Iowa does everything first class. I mean, we we traveled well. We we had a ball. Recruiting I, pitch? Is this, a recruiting of, pitch or is this your memories? I literally have all of my bowl rings. Uh, I still wear my Rose Bowl watch. Played in two back-to-back -back holiday bowls. If you want to go to a bowl from Iowa City, remember, I'm from Texas. We, we're going to San Diego in, in December. Sign me up. <laughs> you know, that's a great trip. And and certainly uh, played in the Peach Bowl, but uh, 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 my last bowl uh, uh, experience uh, was playing in the Rose Bowl uh, uh, versus a Don James-led uh, University of Washington team. Ironically, the last time uh, they were undefeated, I believe, going into a bowl game. So uh, our bowl experience was was awesome. Uh, University of Iowa and certainly. Uh, not only Hayden Fry, but uh, athletic director Bump Elliott, uh, uh, just a tremendous job 
of making sure that the student athletes and all the supporters were treated in a first class manner. So I've got nothing but good memories from my bowl times. AJ, same question for you. We fast forward 20 years later when you played in the number of bowl, uh, the number of bowl games had grown to 38, almost where we are today. What do you remember about those trips to bowl games with your friends and teammates? Yeah, great question. Thank you, Nick. It's um, up until it's your final ball game as a college football student athlete. Um, the the bowl game is really a springboard into next season's campaign and how you finish knowing you're a returner and the guys are also returning. You want to send the the seniors or if there's any excellent juniors, you want to send them out on a high note. But really, it's a jump start for those guys coming back and the opportunities in the month of December the way you go out and put a bow on that season and you finish with however many wins you're, you're competing for, but the way you wrap up December and that ball game, take a quick little breather and come back for winter conditioning. And the first time you look around the room in the winter and those seniors are out of there, the room feels pretty big for a small amount of guys because the incoming class largely is not there. The seniors are gone. And some of the guys in most instances that were putting points on the board and stopping the ball when it was third and one, they're gone. And you start looking around and you, you, you realize quickly that there's going to need to be a new group of, of, of guys step up and, and lead and produce. And it's going to have to be over the course of December and winter conditioning into spring ball and ultimately fall camp in the next year. So we uh, we knew that the the time in the bull preparation and the bull game itself was a, a great way to, to capitalize and finish up, but also a great stepping stone to look forward for the coming campaign. So we played in. Uh, Alamo Outbacks and the Orange Bowl during my time there. So to go down and play a good Texas team led by Colt McCoy in the Alamo Bowl my freshman year, home game for them. But our Iowa fans, I'm convinced we had more people, certainly did on the Riverwalk for a couple nights. Um, great experience down there. Uh, Outback Bowl played a great uh, Steve Spurrier-led South Carolina team and beat them. And that's really the game that sticks out in my mind as a jump, uh, a, a springboard rather, into the coming season because after that nine and four season where we won, I think 10 in a row, not 10, it's eight in a row uh, to finish nine and four, we knew we had a really good team. We didn't know how good we could be, but we knew we were good and not unlike Merton finishing in the Rose Bowl and, um, you know, a really uh, preeminent opportunity. We finished in the Orange Bowl and we ended up winning that game. We beat uh, Georgia Tech, who was the ACC champions that year, finished 11 and two virtually everybody on both sides of the ball that started that night got drafted, whether it was that year or the next year or two. And it was a lot of it goes back to, to what you make during the off season. And those opportunities start with the leadership, the composure, the decorum of the guys in the room. And you learn a lot about one another and the guys that you are, you're willing to trust and they, they're accountable and have what it takes during the time when there's no cameras, the lights are not on it's a little bit uh, ugly. It's down and dirty. It's cold. Merton can attest to this. It's cold and dark in Iowa in the winter. It is really cold. It's really dark. And the wind is coming from each direction all the time. It doesn't matter if you're walking forwards or backwards, the wind's in your face. And, you know, it, you got to really want to be there and do it the right way. And you figure out quickly who your teammates are that want to be there next to you. And the bowl games are tremendous opportunities to get some of that stuff figured out and have fun along the way. Go out and win a game and come back ready to go for the next season. Hey, I got it. I got it. <laughs> you know, you, you hit it right on the head as far as the bowl prep. And, and uh, uh, this is going to be important, you know, not only for 
University of Iowa, but for every uh, bowl eligible team going in, th those 15 plus practices going into the bowl game really do set the table for the coming season. AJ, you couldn't have said it uh, uh, better. And I, I, like I was going to say, I appreciate those comments because I think sometimes, uh, you know, nobody likes the opt-outs in the transfer portal. There's not a lot we can do about it, but I think too much emphasis is put on that. I mean, the majority of the team plays in the bowl game. And for a lot of guys, that's their opportunity to step up. That's their opportunity they may not have gotten in the regular season. That's their opportunity to say, hey, here I am. I'm ready to go for next year. And it gives the, the fans of that school who – Let's face it, they've been fans of Iowa for a long time, well before the current day players have been there. They're going to be fans for a long time in the future. It gets the fans kind of a glimpse of what they're going to see next year. And I, I'm a big believer in opportunity. I think bowl games do that in a lot of ways. Look, bowl, bowl games to me are, are such a, and maybe I'm a traditionalist in that respect, but they're a necessary component of what college sports, certainly on the, on, on the football level, should be. Uh, uh, it's, it's competition. It's the opportunity to celebrate a great season. You're, you're not playing a bowl game if you didn't have a good year. Uh, uh, and so those, those uh, individuals that were part of the program, they should be celebrated and given the opportunity to kind of bask in the glow of what they've accomplished in that respect. And, and our bowl partners do an excellent opportunity, uh, uh, give an excellent opportunity uh, and provide an excellent opportunity uh, for that platform for these young men moving forward. Uh, I just think it's something that we, as an industry, we need to make sure uh, we are protecting uh, because that is unique to the college experience. And again, as a person who's got a couple of gray hairs now, I, I look back on my bowl experiences as really some of the highlights uh, of my athletic life and, and really would have, quite frankly, felt cheated uh, if I didn't have that opportunity uh, to participate in bowls. I'll echo that. I'm I mean, the bowl season is really important. It's a collection of um, individual games that come together collectively and make the bowl season, but it's really important. It's a great opportunity for these young people and in a lot of instances to play their final ball game. And a lot of times they know for beyond the shadow of a doubt, it's the last one. Guys at best may get invited to a rookie camp, likely not going to make a team. And to know there's there's very few things in life where there's closure and you know it's closing and to be able to have that one last chance with teammates to go to a different community, to enjoy a place that otherwise you may never go to, to play a team that in all likelihood you probably have not played. Maybe your program has never played and you get a chance to go play a ball game. And yeah, you certainly want to win that you're there to win. But it, there's so much more than just the outcome of that ball game that goes into it. And not to repeat what we've talked about already, but it goes well beyond the three and a half hours of game day, um, that bowl experience in the postseason. And our partners are first in line that make that opportunity available, as Merton had mentioned. And Nick, with your leadership, just the entire bowl season, um, it, it's a really, really nice, well-deserved way <clears throat> for a good amount of teams to go out there and put their best foot forward at the end of the season. And it's, it's not accidental. It's with diligence, it's with intent, and it's just really appreciated because it means so much to those of us in this space in um, collegiate football. Well, that's, thank you for that guys. And cause this will serve as a great transition to my next question. One of the reasons I'd been wanting to get the two of you on, on this podcast together 
uh, is because you both played college football and got to enjoy the opportunities that college athletics in general and bowl games specifically provided to you, as we just discussed. Now you're both in positions where you're facilitating those same types of opportunities for today's young men. So AJ, let's, we'll stick with you and you go first. How do, how does your experiences as a player, how have they helped you to do your job today at the big 10? You know, really my, my experience and having lived it as a player was a unique opportunity to just know exactly how important bowl games are and to know what it means to have the month of December when most of the student bodies off campus for most universities to be able to focus on just playing football after exams are concluded. There's always that reading week and exam week, which is uh, first and foremost. But after that wraps up, it's just football. And it's a nice opportunity in the collegiate environment to just have football because that's not always there. And in most cases, it's not there. And so to have lived that and to have experienced it at a high level in great games, uh, playing with really solid teammates, guys that wanted to play and end on a high note, it 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 was a nice, a really, really valuable chance for me to know that we got to do everything we can to make these same opportunities available to, to, to today's young people and work with our coaches, work with our administrators, work with our external partners to make sure that we're putting our best efforts into this because we owe it to these young people to give them the chances for those same opportunities that Merton and I had and so many like us that came before us, those that came between us and those that have come after. And it's it's a really important responsibility. It's one that I don't take lightly. And I know Merton doesn't either to be able to go out there and, and to give our, our young people chances playing in world-class destinations in world-class venues against top competition. And that's all you can ask for is a chance to leave on that high note and go play a ball game. So it's, it's something that I really enjoy. I enjoy working with our partners and it's ultimately manifested on game day when our teams come together. And it's just, it's also last thing I'll say, it's a chance to support our teams. So often our teams are playing against one another and we don't get a chance to clap and put a fist pump in the air. But once our teams are lining up against non-conference opponents here in the postseason, we can cheer, we can support, we can be uh, standing there next to the administration on the sideline. It's a unique opportunity that we don't get very often, but when it does come around, it's fun to be a part of. So I'll wrap up and let Merton go, but I, I, I have a passion for the bull season and I wish it was more than just a couple of weeks in December and January. <laughs> you can actually root for your team and your officials aren't working the game, so they can't make a mistake. Everything is good. That's right. Martin, same question for you. You've done this at Conference USA now at the Pac-12. So, you know, you know, a little bit of a different level, but but equally meaningful to those student athletes, right? What how how do you think that your past experiences are helping you today? Well, I think I think uh here before I answer that question, I always have to tease my my good friend and colleague AJ, uh, uh because obviously we're both alumni of the University of Iowa. So uh uh I get to openly cheer for Iowa. I is for me it's Iowa versus everybody else. <laughs> and so every now and then I'll, I'll reach out to my good friend, AJ, obviously uh, as the uh, lead football uh, uh, representative for the Big Ten Conference, he, he has to be Switzerland. <laughs> but uh, I can I can openly ask him, who's Iowa playing and, and who are we beating this week? And and, and he, he, he tolerates me. <laughs> I tell Merton, I said, the lights are going to be on. There's going to be air in the balls. Our officials will be there. Otherwise, you know, we're just looking for a great game. <laughs> AJ's thinking the same thing you are, Merton. He just can't show it or say it. That's all. <laughs> but uh, just, just the, uh, look, uh, I think, uh, I think two things and, and praise, look, praise God uh, for uh, the men and women who have given AJ and I the opportunity to kind of lead the football programs for, 
these two great conferences, uh, obviously, you know, the elephant in the room, the Pac-12, uh, this is his last year in his current iteration, will have a number of great uh, Pac-12 uh, teams that will be transitioning to the Big Ten Conference under AJ's leadership there. And so I, I feel blessed that myself and my colleague, Shauna Brown, uh, 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 at the Pac-12 have, quite frankly, prepared that group for what life will be like in the Big Ten, uh, because it, it's, a, it's a different is a different conference and different things will be necessary for their success. Uh, I do think it's a, a great and, and symbolic uh, in that respect that, you know, two uh, uh, former student athletes from the University of Iowa get the lead football programs at our, our major uh, uh, power five uh, conferences. And, and lo and behold, uh, the latest uh, CFP rankings going into bowl season has the University of Michigan uh, number one and University of Washington, number two. So uh, I'm excited that uh, 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 those teams will be representing those conferences as, as everyone that I deal with in the Pac-12 knows. I'm, I, look, I came up a Big Ten boy. You know, I, I went to school at the University of Iowa. I want to come out and play the Pac-12 back then, you know, Pac-10 uh, uh, in the Rose Bowl every year. That was the goal, right? So we're excited about bowl season. We're excited about supporting uh, all of our great institutions, uh, AJ's point, we get to now openly cheer for uh, success for those institutions and, and quite frankly, made the best team win. Same question for both of you. Um, what have been some of your favorite bowl memories, either from your playing days uh, or your time working in conference offices? You both spoke about the importance of bowl season and how it does uh, to help launch into the following season. But think about the events right? Either as a player, as administrator that, you know, you go with your team either to the beach or to a museum or, or, or to eat barbecue or whatever that bowl is, you know, has to offer. Uh, and you're doing it with your friends and teammates, or maybe it was a moment in the game where something happened for somebody that really stuck out, to, uh, stood out in your mind. Merton, any, any, any memories that stick out for you? Well, I've got, I've got two, uh, 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 in, in that respect, in regard to uh, the bowl piece, we were at the Rose Bowl and the great Don James, the head coach of the University of Washington, there was a captain's kind of function where the University of Washington brought their captains, the University of Iowa brought their captains, and, and, and uh, uh, God bless him, uh, Coach James pulled me to the side, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's the head coach of the University of Washington want, want with me? And he's like, uh, 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 Merton? Son, you know you know we're not throwing the ball your way, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, sure enough, we get in the game. Uh, uh, I, I got two passes thrown my way, and I intercepted one of them. And he told me again from the sideline during the game, "I forgot we're not throwing the ball your way again." And I didn't see another ball. So that 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 stands out uh, from a bold memory uh, from one of the great coaches, uh, and then Coach Don James. But I, I would give a tip of the cap, quite frankly, to uh, all of our bowl partners uh, over the years, uh, uh, in particular, uh, um, you know, the Rose Bowl does it, in my opinion, as good as anyone. But but all of the bowl partners, they just create opportunities for memories that that simply can't be replicated uh, uh, anywhere else. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, when I think of whether it was our opportunity to go eat at a, a certain restaurant or 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 go walk on a battleship for the holiday bowl, you know, all of those type of things that that these student athletes simply 
quite frankly, won't have an opportunity to do quite the same way again. Uh, it, it really is tremendous. So those are the type of things that I think of. AJ, same question for you. Yeah, I've got a few myself. Uh, we played in the Outback, now Reliant Quest Bowl. I mentioned earlier Steve Spurrier, and there was a, a loose ball right on the sideline that hindsight's twenty twenty. I should have picked up. I just fell on it because it was nothing but green grass going the other way. And as the ball hits the ground, Spurrier sees it, and I see the visor go down. And I thought, okay, now we got him right where we want him. When that visor hits the ground, we got the Coach Spurrier Gamecocks on the ropes a little bit. So that was it, not unlike Merton, kind of in moments. Um, another couple, the Orange Bowl my senior year, uh, late Coach Norm Parker, who was um, just an unbelievable coach, mentor of young people, educator, all the superlatives there. We were playing Georgia Tech, who ran the Veer with Coach Johnson and, um, you know, a lot of option ball. And Coach Parker, as soon as the assignment bowl matchup was made, told us as a defense, I got the playbook on this one. I've coordinated against the option for 25 years of my career. It's just been 20 years since I had to do it. We're going to dust that play that play calls, those play calls off and put them back in. And we got a month to get ready. And at our press conference in Miami, the opening presser on welcoming both teams and the coordinators, uh, Coach Parker described to the press corps the defensive game plan against the option with a collection of water bottles, orange orange uh, juice bottles, and Diet Coke bottles. And this guy goes wide. Our linebackers got to match him. And if this guy takes the dive, our defensive ends got to close, and the quarterbacks accounted for with the safety, and he's doing it with water bottles. Just a moment that was – it really just stuck with me as um, this is football. We can have some fun with this. We don't have to – we don't have to be so rigid and so – so uh, business-like that we aren't allowed to enjoy the moment and make the most of it. And and so that was really neat. And then after that Orange Bowl game, we were fortunate enough to win. A good friend of mine, Rick Stanzi, our quarterback, was asked a question on the post-game stage. And I don't know if Rick didn't comprehend the message and didn't necessarily want to answer the question or if he had this, this ready to go. But his answer was brief in nature on the question itself. And then he gets the Iowa fan base juiced up by saying, I know one thing. This is America, and if you don't love it, then you can leave it. So he took a line from uh, uh, Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights. The fans' base got juiced up, and it's kind of lived in infamy ever since in Iowa City and with Rick himself. So that was it was fun, a great crowning moment with teammates to play and beat a really good team, uh, to win a, a really uh, special marquee ball game, and to to just go out on a high note um, uh, with teammates. So. I, the, I could keep going on and on. I'm sure Merton as well. As an administrator, I've got some memories. And um, <clears throat> you, 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 I probably have one from each game, each and every one of our games with all of our bowl partners. They're all special and unique in their own ways. And, um, you know, to try to get into those assuredly would leave one or two out along the way. But as a player specifically, really some fond memories. And it's it just makes it all so worthwhile to get out and play with your teammates and represent your university. AJ in that little X's and O section with various drinks, what 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 drink was was AJ? AJ was generally like if we get to him, we've done something wrong. Like this, oh, but was it like was it like orange soda? Was it spray or was it like? I, a, think, a, I think that was Diet Coke. That was a uh, Norm Parker drink of uh, of preference. Most times was a uh, a high octane Diet Coke. So outside linebacker there. You got to kind of feather off of your defensive end, and if he's closing, you got to make him right. And if he's if he's stringing out, you just got to be the make the make good player in the option. And um, you know, it was I was just happy to have a bottle that I was able to represent. <laughs> well, Martin, next year will be the first for the new twelve team playoff. Now, 
I'm going to say something that I say all the time, and I'm assuming you guys are going to agree, agree. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask you in the first place. But there are 133 FBS institutions. Are 12 postseason spots enough for all of college football? Or does bowl season still play an important role for the, for the majority of college football programs across the country? Martin, you go first. I, I certainly think that the bowls, as I uh, I think I'd stated this earlier uh, in our talk, the bowls are vitally important to the college football system. Uh, again, when you have as many uh, uh, programs that you have. And look, AJ and I understand what elite football teams look like. There's just simply not that many teams year in and year out uh, uh, that can meet that measurement. Look, the word, we, we throw around the word elite as is, as if it's a common word. You're elite because there's a very small number of those. <laughs> so the, 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 no there can't people, be a lot of elite people by definition, right? The, the timing of putting together an elite program, of, forget an elite program, an elite team, uh, uh, is, is, is difficult in, in that respect. I, I would argue 12 might be too many. Uh, many of our, our coaches have said you, you probably need to back it down to eight. You yeah, know, personally, I think eight would have been the right number, but. Yeah, that would be a number it. that, you know, from, from an elite, a, a program that's performing that year at an elite level that would be deserving of an opportunity to compete for the national championship, that number is probably closer to eight than it is to 12. So uh, I, I think 12 uh, certainly will get the job done, but in, in that respect, but for me and for the health of, of college football, the, the bowl system has to continue to be supported and supported in a mighty way. Again, you, you're not going to have 12 elite programs. We've got 133 programs. You know, what do you tell the team that's gone nine and three? It's had a really good year. We need those teams need to be celebrated in, in that respect. So uh certainly from my position, my perch, uh, uh we want to continue to support uh the bowl system even as we expand into this new reality of 12 team playoffs starting next year. AJ, same question for you. And I actually use your conference as an example quite often because everybody, you know, in, in, in the Big Ten, people look at, you know, Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. And obviously those types of programs are going to aspire to be in the playoff. But the vast majority of your programs, you know, work just as hard. Athletes are just as proud, deserve just as much the opportunity. And, you know, Greg Shiano at Rutgers is a good friend of mine. He appeared on this podcast right after his sixth win. And, you know, you can't tell me that, Rutgers going to the pinstripe bowl uh, as a stepping stone to build their program isn't extraordinarily meaningful to them. You nailed it. Both of you nailed it. It's, it's a huge deal to be able to go out and play one more ball game for all the reasons that have been outlined here already in this conversation. It, it is a, it's, it's significant to be able to go play in a bowl game. And I, I mentioned earlier um, and you just now, Nick, your comment about the stepping stone in the development of our championship caliber team the previous bowl game is really what set the table and our team that won that bowl game went one way and the team that lost that game you know they went another way they weren't in the mix in the sec that following year and that's that's no disrespect of course to them i've been on the other side of that equation as well i've been on teams that get through a bowl game and take steps back the next year so um it, it's really as much or as little as the people in the building want to make of it and the incoming classes want to make of it and 
all you can ask for is the opportunity. It's like anything in life. The opportunity may or may not come. All you can ask and hope for is the opportunity. And what are you going to do with it when it presents itself? And it may not always go well. And how are you going to react to some of that, to, to those challenges and to some of that adversity when it doesn't go well? But if not for the avenue and the mechanism to explore the opportunity, you're left drawing straws saying what if and, and, and wanting more. And the bull season delivers that avenue to to provide the, the 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 opportunity to go out and compete the opportunity to practice lift weights condition focus on football focus on your teammates focus on the culture in the building eating right sleeping right no distractions for a little bit of time in the month of december and into january and most teams are not going to be playing for a championship and it is just as important to those teams to go out and maximize those opportunities in the bowl season and all and those teams that don't make it in it's equally as cutting to not have those opportunities and they want to do what they can to get into the mix. And maybe it's a five and seven or below, but to not be able to be in the mix there at the end of the season, just to sit back in December and know that next year's competition is on the practice field and they're in the weight room and they're on the conditioning fields and they're, they're talking football. They're watching fit. They're watching tape. It's, it's um, you know, it's tough. It's really tough to not be in the mix. And for those that are in the mix, they're going to play before January one in most instances, and they're going to be watching teams compete for championships and they want to be at that category. So there, there's always, there's only one team that wins a championship. Everybody else aspires to that in the team that wins, they aspire to be a repeat or a three-peat or whatever the case might be. So there's always something more out there and the bull season is what gives the entree into the something more really important. It's uh, incumbent upon us as the administrators and our bull partners to continue to deliver at that world-class level and, and tier one um, offering to, to make sure that these young people have just what Merton and I and others have had before us. Last question. Nick, oh, I got to throw this in uh, just to drive home uh, my good friend AJ's point in, in that respect. The University of Washington played in the Alamo Bowl versus the University of Texas last year. Those two teams now find themselves in the CFP. I had forgotten about this that in a rematch. So just the progression that AJ just discussing, that's why the bowl system is so important. Teams like everybody else, they progress. And if things break right, if the work works out in respect to your on-field product, uh, you'll have an opportunity to play amongst the elite. And we are literally seeing that this year between the University of Washington and the University of Texas, which again, played in the Alamo Bowl 12 months ago this time. So uh, uh, AJ hit it right on the head in that respect. What an interesting lesson, right? I mean, the three of us were brought up to embrace every opportunity, be appreciative of it, maximize it. You never know what the future is going to hold, right? And what this current day lesson is going to give to you. You know, I, I, I'm i not saying Texas or Washington took last year's bowl game for granted, um, but had they known they were going to play again a year from them, maybe, maybe they would have had... And, uh, thought about it a little differently when they entered into it. That's interesting. Well, they're just, they're definitely dusting off that old field. We we all we, we all know that. Uh, they, uh, there's something about playing a game uh, 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 with live reps uh, uh, that 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 makes for lasting memories. So I would imagine uh, both coaching staffs uh, and and ironically, certainly Steve Starkeesian and, and Coach DeBoer were the head coaches at the time. So. Uh, I can imagine they're dusting that film off, taking a look in 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 uh, in preparation for their matchup here in the Sugar Bowl. 
no doubt. And similar, no doubt. similar but different, not too long ago, Alabama and Michigan played in a Citrus Bowl that was the highest watched non-CFP game of all time. And that there's two head coaches that are still at their programs. And they're going to be looking at tape of what happened then because it'll probably come back up this time with different players wearing different numbers. But it all matters. It all really matters. And it, it, it supersedes all of us. And it's just a tremendous blessing to have anything to do with bringing it to life. Absolutely. Well, last question for the both of you. Uh, we just talked about the two CFP games. So obviously we're all going to be looking forward to watching those. But outside of those, what are some of the bowl matchups this bowl season that you're looking forward to the most? And do you care to make any predictions? AJ, we'll start with you and then we'll we'll let Martin wrap it up. Well, Merton, a good friend of mine, we're going to lock horns uh, in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium when Northwestern and Utah get together. So that'll be a great one. Um, not to talk about the semis, there's a chance there if two teams win. Um, but, you know, really for us in the Big Ten, we're looking forward to all of our all of our ball games. And that might sound like the easy out and the easy answer, but it just there, there's there's so much that goes into it um, that we, we are we're extremely proud we are um, we're extremely gracious for our, our hosts and for our programs that did the little things to make it happen on the field to get themselves into postseason consideration. Um, but, you know, it's the, the thing that always uh, one of the many things I should say that, that draws my attention. The postseason are the games, the matchups that have not happened ever. And if they have happened, it's been a long, long time. <clears throat> I can't tell you. I haven't looked, but I can't tell you last time Northwestern and Utah played each other and there may be some past instances and maybe I'm missing one, but there hasn't been a ton of them. And not unlike that, uh, Maryland and Auburn getting together for us in the music city bowl. Can't imagine those two have gotten with each other in the non-conference too many times over the years. So those are the types of things that as a player, you know, Hey, we've never played these guys. We may not play them again for a, a year, five years, five decades, and let's go out and, and put it to them if we can. And for the guys that do have the the honor and the opportunity to play at the next level, I can assure you the winners of bowl games remind the losers of bowl games in that NFL locker room each and every opportunity that they get the chance to do so. And they will want to go out on a high note when given the chance. So uh, a little bit of a long-winded answer there, but looking forward to all the Big Ten's ball games as I know Merton is with the Pac-12. Well, well uh Nick, we're we're excited. Obviously, we've got a great partnership in 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 Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Bowl with the Big Ten, and always uh, looking forward uh, uh, to playing the Big Ten. You know, again, as as a, as a young man that 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 played as a student athlete in the Big Ten, I always enjoy competing against the Big Ten Conference. The I have really two things uh, uh, from a career move. Okay, I guess three years ago now, back in twenty twenty. Um, moved at the height of COVID uh, uh, in, in that respect to uh, uh, lead the football operations area for the Pac-12. And the goal was to uh, help as much as we can from the center. Obviously, coaches coach, players play, and, and institutions have to make great decisions in, in that respect. But what can we do from the conference office, from the center, to help position uh, the conference to return uh, to the college football playoff uh, and uh, just uh, gratifying to see uh, the efforts uh, uh, come to fruition in that respect and, and get a team back into the CFP mix in that respect. And certainly the New Year Six mix consistently, uh, USC last year and University of Oregon this year. And then finally, 
really excited, and AJ's hit on this uh, all throughout uh, this podcast. Programs develop, and and there are stepping stones, and 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 uh, you know nothing happens overnight. So I'm really proud of the University of Arizona uh, that will be taking on a University of Oklahoma team in Alamo Bowl. Uh, they've come a long way under head coach Jed Fish, and then finally, this is. Uh, me me being sentimental more than anything else. There's, I have a great colleague named Missy Setters at the Independence Bowl. And I've known Missy for a long time, uh, my days at the NFL and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, to be able to finally deliver a Pac-12 team to the Independence Bowl, uh, we couldn't be more excited about that. University of California Golden Bears are excited uh, uh, to play Texas Tech in that bowl. So really excited for those programs who, quite frankly, haven't been a part of the bowl experience consistently over recent years, now returning uh, to be a part of the bowl experience through their great efforts from their coaches, players, and support staff. So excited to see it and looking forward to it. Great stuff, guys. I can't tell you how appreciative I am uh, to both of you for joining me today. Obviously, a busy time of year for both of us. Um, you, you both played at Iowa, 20 years apart. Uh, very recognizable in the Iowa community uh, and did so much good for the game of college football you, when you played. But now you're continuing in a different role. And I'll tell you, college football is very lucky to have you two guys in the positions you are. Uh, really appreciate all you do for the game. And uh, thanks again for joining me. Good luck this bowl season. Thank you thanks, very Nick. much. Go Hawks. I'll say it this time as well. Go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Tax Act knows watching college football is fun. Doing your taxes? Not so much. That's why they make filing simple. So let's get them over with. Tax Act, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Vapor Apparel has all your game day essentials, from eco-friendly lightweight sun protection shirts and hoodies to cozy joggers and Sherpa fleece pullovers. Vapor has the layers you need to get outside and stay out longer. Plus, as Bowl Season's official apparel sponsor, they're creating limited edition shirts for bowl-bound teams made with 100% reprieve fiber from recycled water bottles. Want to celebrate your team's bowl bid with official bowl-bound gear? Get yours and explore more at bowlseason.com. Well, that'll do it for this week's podcast. If you missed any of our past episodes, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's show, we'd appreciate you to like, subscribe, and drop a five-star rating. And as always, you can follow all the Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening. Bowl Season.